SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Thanks, Greg. Five minutes after six o'clock, Hilton Tarrant with you on the SAFM Market Update this Wednesday evening. More on that story involving Murray and Roberts subsidiary Concor at about quarter past six this evening. We'll hear from the chief executive of Murray and Roberts, Henry Lass. First up, though, as always, Google it to as your business news. Thanks, Hilton. Good evening. South Africa's Reserve Bank Governor, Jill Marcus, says South Africa's central bank won't necessarily raise interest rates to ward off rising inflationary pressures because economic growth remains weak. Last month, the Reserve Bank held the repurchase rate at 5% and cut its economic growth forecast for this year from 27 to 2.4%. And the U.S. economic growth was more tepid than previously estimated in the first quarter, held back by a moderate piece, or rather pace, of consumer spending, weak business invest investment, and declining exports. Details in a commerce report released in the U.S. revealed downward revisions to almost all growth categories, with the exception of home construction and government in that economy. This could cast a shadow over the Federal Reserve's fairly upbeat assessment of the economy last week. Turning to the market performance now, the JCO share index has ended the day off in positive territory, up by 1.2% at 38,946 points. The rand is trading at 10 rand 12 to the US dollar, 15.49 to the pound, and 13.16 against the euro. Gold trading at $1,235 an ounce, a barrel of Brent crude oil at $101, and the platinum price at $1,313 an ounce. Thanks a lot, Gugu. Seven minutes after six, David Shapiro of SAS. And David, JSC up 1.2%. We were drifting lower after lunch today, and then that US GDP number came out, and the market uh, had a nice rally towards the end. Uh, I just want to tell Gugu, bad news is good news, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> The the market actually responded to that because it means and there's been there've been rumours or talk now that uh, perhaps the markets were premature on when Bernanke would withdraw or taper and that it's going to be more towards 2014 than uh, later this year. So I think that came on top of uh, comments from Draghi, also supportive of a you know or of supportive of accommodative monetary policy, and also suggesting uh, that policymakers focus on growth and uh, you know not tailor back um, um, tax, etc. Not mm. sorry, increase taxes. And then in China as well, there's, uh, you know, the Bank of China has come out um, also making sure there's stability in money markets. Money market rates have come down there. In fact, interest rates have been coming down quite dramatically. So all of that has just been supportive of, uh, you know, of JSE. The only one thing is that somehow the, the gold price is out of sync with everybody because <laughs> the gold price is coming down on the basis that uh, these, feds, these Fed cuts are going to happen sooner than later. So I don't know where, how you sync the two markets, but I mean, we had dramatic falls in gold, over over $40. I read somewhere that this is the worst fall, or the series of falls that we see now are the worst since 1920, so it gives you an idea of you know, how severe things are there. Gold is down $43, uh, 3.4% at $1,200 uh, $1, and $34 mm. an ounce. It was heading mm. towards 1220 mm. at one stage mm. uh, before a little bounce. So we are seeing platinum down as well. Platinum prices down by 2.5%. David, carnage pretty much across all commodity mm. markets. Platinum down 25 Palladium down 4%. Silver down 4.5%. Mm. Brent crude down almost a percent. Mm. And it's... Uh, it all has to do with worries over over China's growth, or the quality of Chinese growth. You know, more so 
that that any growth that we do see is going to be on the consumer side and services side rather than um, you know materials being um, uh, demanded. So it's it's hurt our market, but the speed at which it's come, mm. I, I think, has taken everyone by surprise. And yet we still got Amcu and uh, you know, Noom fighting over wage increases. I don't know how mining bosses are viewing this and what they're saying, but uh, it's going to bring you know if if they do go ahead and remember what. Um, Pete Major said last night, you know, if they do go ahead with something like 9%, I mean, it's just, <laughs> there will be no industry left. There are very strong concerns about, about mm. where the Rand gold price is. 402,000 yep. Rand a kilogram. Oh, no. That was at 420. Mm. It was close to 500 not too long ago. Uh, it kind of held on the 425 mm. level. Now at 400,000 Rand a kilogram, uh, things not looking too good. Mm. Obviously, uh, all the JSE listed gold companies plumbing fresh 52-week mm. lows. Anglo Gold now at 133 Rand. Goldfields at 48 Rand. Uh, Harmonies at 33 Rand. Mm. Have a look at also at the top end of the market. Anglo-American now firmly entrenched below 200. Mm. Um, 195 Rand. The last time we saw that, you know, we saw weakness in, in Anglo-American was after the crash in... Uh, 2008 mm. and that and subsequent to that there's been big recoveries in, in, in most of the market but uh, unfortunately on the resource side it's just it's been the biggest drag on the JSE for uh, you know the last four years well the newest listing on the JSE perhaps one you wouldn't have expected <laughs> in current market conditions David you're chuckling because uh, Sassfin is involved here so I won't ask you to comment uh, on this Can- uh, Canada based Guiani Gold made its debut on the JSE's Altex this morning earlier I spoke with Executive Chairman Dwayne Parnham and asked him very simply why now? Um, listen you know we take a longer term view on um, the resource sector we've been in the business for 30 years we've been working in uh, Namibia particularly for the last 14 years and in South Africa for the last two and a half years and, you know, we've always been challenged uh, in the resource sectors for one reason or another, whether it be labor, the mineral resource, uh, you know, uh, taxes, uh, currencies, and all these things. But if you take a longer-term view on the prospects, then, uh, you know, good companies uh, haven't been born um, overnight. Good companies are grown over a period of time. So the listing itself gives us an opportunity to um, give uh, access to Johannesburg and South Africa environment and investment climate and retail investors uh, and um, gives them an opportunity to invest in a company not only working in South Africa but also have assets in Canada and in Ontario in particular. This company, uh, Guiani Gold, there, the executive chairman, Dwayne Parnham, explaining in that interview that it's working on exploration near Guiani in Limpopo. Obviously, that's where the name comes from. It's working with a state-owned mining company, Corridor Mineral Resources, which is actually owned by the Limpopo Economic Development Agency. David, not going to ask you specifically about Guiani, but a very interesting time to list. I think in many cases where companies raise the initial capital mm. in Canada, they're virtually forced to have a secondary listing now for empowerment and various other technical issues. Uh, and the danger with these companies is that you never get, um, you know, you never get liquidity coming in. We've seen it with Forbes Coal, whom uh, we mm. also did, which was a very similar situation. The trouble is that you can never, you know, you never get, and it's not only one, I'm just identifying two, you never get ready. Enough, enough shares trading on either side to make it viable. Elsewhere on the market, Steinoff, a voluntary announcement regarding the acquisition of something called the Kicker Lina Group in, uh, in Austria. 73 stores, 50 of those in Austria, the rest in Central and Eastern Europe. To give you an idea about the size of this business, annual sales of 1.2 billion euros. 
That's okay. about 15 billion rand. That's all right. I mean, it's not a... Look, it's, it's expanding, and I'm sure they'll add to that and um, use that as a springboard to do more. Shock from Blue Financial Services earlier today. Financial statements already late. It still has to post financial results for the year ending February. Those remain outstanding. There's a recapitalization pending that seems to be dragging on a lot longer than, than uh, Johan Mehring, the chief executive, uh, indicated it would. It has asked for a voluntary suspension on the JSC. That's <laughs> it doesn't sound good. <laughs> when you have a voluntary suspension, then they're about to give you some shocks. And I think this is the restructured Blue Financial, mm. isn't it? This is uh, Blue Financial Mark II. So, um, I, you know, when, when you voluntarily suspend a share, it's, it's normally you're keeping a shock away from, from, from investors. And then one company posting uh, financial results today, Argent, full year mm-hmm. revenue up slightly, headline earnings per share up 11%. What is Argent, you might ask? There's some steel businesses in there. They own Jetmaster. Cedar Paints as well as Expander. Interesting that they managed to grow both revenue and profits in a very, very tough... Or for low base. Mm. Um, this was a favorite company and has had a very good track record. And I think over the last few years with the difficulties in the South African steel market, they're a beneficiator and a merchant. And, uh, you know, they're coming back. I think uh, RCM have got quite a big... Mm. Someone took a big stake. Was it RCM? I think it was RCM. We'll check that. <laughs> I think uh, recently took a big stake, or if Alan Gray or someone took a uh, you know one a fairly large, uh, meaningful stake in the company. Obviously, with um, you know view that prospects are going to rise. Quarter past six. Senves is an integrated agricultural services business positioned in the grain value chain between the farm gate and the buyer. It supplies input products and capital goods to farmers and provides market access for commodities. In the financial year ended 30 April, Senves's turnover amounted to 13.9 billion rand, with a profit after tax of 307 million rand. Earnings per share is up by 15.7 percent, and headline earnings saw an increase of 14.8 percent. For more information, visit www. Well, we continue our coverage of the construction industry settlements with the Competition Commission over anti-competitive practices, including collusive tendering. Henry Lars is Chief Executive of Marion Roberts. Henry, first of all, uh, your team said you would speak to us uh, on Wednesday. First off, thanks for keeping your word. Second, I, I think you do need to be commended for being the first company to speak openly on the matter following the settlement. Uh, you published a timeline along with your statement on Monday on the settlement. The Competition Commission launching the Fast Track settlement process on the 1st of February 2011. Exactly what time period was under investigation? Well, primarily the period from 2001 to 2011, so it's over a, over a 10-year period. The uh, Fast Track submission went in in April 2011. So it is a it is a ten year period that uh, that has been investigated here. Along with that timeline that you published on on Monday um, in your in your statement, uh, you did indicate that your own investigations into uh, collusive practices in the in the industry started back in 2000. This this obviously predates the the period that the commission uh, was was investigating. Correct. That's correct. And, and you joined Marion Roberts, uh, you individually joined Marion Roberts in 2001. I joined the group in 2001 and was involved in the mining business until, until very recently when I was appointed uh, in my current role. 
So uh, all these investigations on collusive matters happened within the uh, civil engineering and building uh, part of the business, which was not an area in which I was involved in. So my, my knowledge of anti-competitive matters really um, was as a, as a result of the work that was done since 2002 within the group, mm. but it happened in a part of the group which, uh, which was uh, where I was not involved in. Henry, if we look at the, the settlement, uh, the combined fine, 309 million rand, you disclosed 22 practices to the commission. You got mm-hmm. uh, leniency granted on five of those. If we look at the remainder, the 17 projects and practices uh, that uh, you, you are liable for with the commission, 12 of those come from a business called Concor, a construction business which you uh, purchased in 2006. So obviously, before 2006, before purchasing that business, you wouldn't necessarily have have been been knowledgeable about those issues. Yeah, maybe Hilton. Uh, you know, maybe I should have done this right at the outset. Mm. I just want to make a few statements before I've, I answer on this question on this question of yours. And the first is that this entire process, or the fast track process, in anti investigation into collusive behaviour, has been a difficult process for the company to. Um, to go through, mm. and uh, as we speak, I can say to you um, it, that, that we believe that there are absolutely no anti-competitive conduct currently present within the group, and the board and the management continue to set the vision for and the commitment to a morally and ethical sound, uh, Marion Roberts. The, the collusive conduct that you refer to primarily relates to companies that were acquired by the group during 2006-2007. Of the 17 uh, um, transgressions that we've been penalized for, two of them involved Murray and Roberts and all the others uh, in two other companies, um, uh, Concor and White Walker. Mm. Now, uh, and of those, uh, of, the, of the 17, uh, seven of the transgressions occurred before the acquisitions were, acquisition was made of, of those two companies. And nine of the transgressions occurred within a six-month period after the acquisition. And, uh, and then it was stopped, and there's one project that, uh, to our knowledge, a transgression occurred about 18 months after it was acquired. So it was all uh, the individual actions of certain executives within subsidiary companies of the group, and all of them have left the group, it's five executives, and all of them have left the group between 2004 and 2010. Mm. And as I mentioned earlier, on the fast-track application only went in in April 2011, which made it quite difficult to detect and to pick up, you know, where these transgressions were made in the past because the um, involved executives had all left the group between 2004 and 2010. Henry, in terms of engaging with those executives, did you did you manage to engage with them? Have you had cooperation with them? I ask this because Roger Jardine at, at Avenge, in his uh, prepared statement on, on Monday, made it clear that it was very difficult for that company to engage with, with former executives. Yeah, there's, um, as I said earlier on, there were five uh, executives that were implicated here, and we were able to make contact with two of them, and three of them we were not able to reach, and some of them have left the country and are working uh, in other parts of the world, in, in Europe and in, uh, and in Australia. So we were not able to, um, to contact them, but with two of them we did manage to, to speak to. And as you will see from the... Um, uh, from the detail that was disclosed by the competition authorities of the 17 transgressions which um, Marion Roberts have been penalized for, 10 of them 
came from submissions that were made by other companies. In other words, we don't have within Marine Roberts any knowledge of transgressions on those projects. Mm. And uh, it is where we were implicated by others in, in their submissions. And we had the choice either to include them in the fast-track settlement or, or, or to exclude them. But our decision was to include it in the fast-track process and to settle it, although we are relying on evidence of others here. And, uh, and the reason for that decision is really it's a commercial decision because by settling within the fast-track process, um, it's, it's more favorable than, uh, than settling it outside of the fast-track process. And for that, for that reason, you know, the 10 that we don't have any knowledge of within the group and we could not confirm it with the executives that were implicated. We had to accept it within our settlement. Henry, in terms of the volumes, I'm trying to get an understanding of the, the these projects. There's 17 projects, as you say, uh, 12 of them within Concourse, some within Wade Walker, and only two within the Murray and Roberts uh, company. How does how does that volume of 17 compare with the volume of projects that Murray and Roberts undertakes on an annual basis? Yes. Well, we looked at uh, at the total tenders that were submitted by our South African businesses over the past, uh, well, over the relevant period, 2001 to to, uh, to 2011, and we've we've got an estimate that it's about 5,000 projects in total, or or tenders that went in. However, within the construction, engineering, and general building um, uh, categories of the CIDB, um, uh, categories. Mm. There's about two and a half thousand uh, tenders that went in. So, as a percentage of the total tenders that were submitted, it is it is a fraction of one percent. That's Henry Lastly, chief executive of Marion Roberts. So, David, seventeen projects or practices ah. uh, that were settled with the commission. This is seventeen things that the commission found were done incorrectly out of two and a half thousand tenders in South Africa ah. that Marion Roberts. Ah submitted in that 10-year process. And what's interesting, and, and you heard Henry explain it there, a lot of this had to do with a business called Concor, which yeah. Murray and Roberts yeah. bought in 2006. So they actually bought a lot of these problems. Yeah. They bought a number of executives um, and, and a number of historical projects that were, that were obviously uh, colluding and anti-competitive. Mm. Look, I, I, I think we have to lay this out and uh, we have to get to the bottom of the of what really happened, how they colluded, you know, what the process was, because it is overhanging the market. You know, people are asking questions, and it is pointing towards um, executives. You know, people are questioning the integrity of executives. Um, and until we actually know what this all means, you know, at the moment, it's, 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 it's really difficult to get a grip on it. It's, uh, I think it's going to weigh on, you know, on the whole industry. So the more information that they're willing to give us, I think the better it's going to be in the long run for the industry. Well, a lot of this centers on something called cover pricing mm. when it comes to actually bidding for, for mm. contracts, like, for example, the Peter Macaba Stadium up in Polakwane, uh, a number of other projects, mm. the Gauteng Freeway Improvement Project. I, I spoke with Henry for, for a, a long period of time, that full interview will be up on today tomorrow morning. Here's his answer. I asked him to explain how this cover pricing process worked. Well, there's basically um, two conditions under which people have submitted cover prices in the past. Now, in some instances, uh, the project owner um, would have called for, let's say, five tenders before it would adjudicate uh, a, certain, a certain project. Mm. And let's say there were only four tenders submitted, um, then one of those companies might have called for another company 
to submit a tender to get to the site that, that was a required number of, of tenders, and that person would then be given a cover price. In other words, if the project value was, say, 100 million rands, they would say to this guy, your project or your, your tender price has to be 105 million, and on that basis, the five tenders went in, and the adjudication process uh, continued, but the person or the company that provided the cover price did so to facilitate the process, but with the knowledge that the company would not have been successful with that tender because it went in above a certain mm. a certain price. Mm. Now, when you look at it under those circumstances, um, you, you you might conclude, but what is the impact then on that? How is it possible that such conduct would have resulted maybe in a in a, in a marginally inflated tender price? But where it actually goes wrong is where companies decide beforehand which companies is going to do or undertake which projects. Mm. And then the company may, may submit a tender for a project and then give a cover price to other tenderers to submit their tenders as well with the knowledge that they will come in above that certain price. So there was no chance of, chance of them winning the job, but the tenders came in and the person where the uh, uh, colluders agreed uh, for a specific company to be successful on a, on, a, on a project, how this was allocated, then ended up building the project. Now, in that scenario, you've, you don't have uh, free and full competition in that tender process, and there you might have ended up with, um, with, with, with a slightly inflated tender price. That's Henry Last there, the chief executive of Marion Roberts. Do you understand it now, David? I do understand what I... What's also not clear was the, what did they call it, the person, the project, um, you know, the, in other words, the person needing the project, did they give, did, were they aware of this? Uh, they, obviously, they obviously weren't aware. You know, sure were they aware of the fifth bid? In other words, you know, we need five bids, I've only got four, please get someone to submit another bid, you know, just so that we can get the process underway. And uh, and also, as as Henry pointed out, there were some where you actually divvied up the um, the project. So, look, a lot to go through. Well, the the mm-hmm. irony, and mm-hmm. I mentioned the Peter Macaba Stadium in Polokwane earlier. This was the only World Cup stadium that uh, that Marion Roberts was implicated in. It built a number of others. Uh, what happened there was mm-hmm. G. Levero. Yeah, a, a, yeah. a non-listed construction company and Concor, the, the subsidiary at Murray and Roberts uh, worked out a cover, a cover price and, and worked out uh, a cover bid uh, in, in a way that Concor would have the lowest bid and would win the work mm-hmm. in, in Polokwane they had the lowest bid, but they didn't win the work. <laughs> WBHO won the work, so they didn't actually end up doing the work. And, and Henry explained that you know, out of these 17 projects and practices, they only ended up doing work in seven instances. So, so a lot of these, they met, they divvied up work, they, they put in bids. But, but whichever way we look at it, it's an industry that colluded with each other regardless. And I, and, and I think that's, you know, you've got to bring an end to that. 28 and a half minutes after 6 o'clock, Senvest is an integrated agricultural services business positioned in the grain value chain between the farm gate and the buyer. It supplies input products and capital goods to farmers and provides market access for commodities. In the financial year ended 30 April, Senvest's turnover amounted to 13.9 billion rand with a profit after tax of 307 million rand. Earnings per share is up 15.7% and headline earnings saw an increase of 14.8%. For more information, visit www.senvest.com. 
www.murrayandroberts.co.za. Well, David, just before we wrap up, uh, speaking of Murray and Roberts, a trading update out from the company today. Its financial year ends this Sunday. It will post a profit for the year versus a loss in 2012. Not a surprise. It was profitable in no. the first half. Yeah, it was. And uh, also, we're starting to see turnarounds. Remember, we've gone through really horrid periods. So one would expect... Um, better results going forward. It's whether it's sustainable and at what pace we're going to see the increases. Very quickly, PSG at a 52-week high, up 5% today. That's odd, <laughs> especially after Capitec. I didn't realize 52-week high. Very, very interesting. Mm. 72 around 24, PSG ending at Omnia, also ending at a 52-week high today, 3.5% higher at 178 rand a share at following yesterday's results announcement from that company. Well, it was a day where the JSE ended up 1.2%, 38,946 points on the old share. We're seeing U.S. markets largely in positive territory this afternoon. Gold is at $1,232 an ounce. The rand is at 10.12 to the US dollar. This has been the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Full transcripts online at moneyweb.co.za. We're back at 6 o'clock tomorrow, 6.30 now, and time for game plan.